Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Uh, so, if you guys are like me, you guys probably are in the same spot. You wish that you had more time every single day. Uh, one of the things that Paul talks about in the passage we're going to look at today is he talks about making the most of every opportunity. And I don't make the most of every opportunity, and it, it drives me crazy. Um, one of the things that I hear a lot from people as a pastor is I hear a couple phrases, they sound like this, I just don't have time. I am just too busy. Those are, those are two of the most said sentences, I think, in our American culture. Um, so you ask questions like, hey, have you been reading your Bible? Ah, oh, man, I've just been so busy. Uh, do you have good conversations with your spouse and kids? Man, we've been, been so busy lately, I just haven't had the time for it. Uh, are you taking good care of yourself and, you're, and exercising? Usually people are a little more honest and just like, that's stupid, I don't want to do that. <laughs> or they say, I don't know, I just don't have the time for it. Uh, are you coming to church this weekend? Man, we got all these sports going on, and it's, we've had a busy week. We just—it's been busy, you know. Are you eating healthy? Oh, we're we're on the run all the time. I just kind of eat whatever I can. Now, I usually try to—I usually try to start our, our messages off with something lighthearted, and I know that that all of those phrases I just said could have could have gotten you frustrated because. It may be stuff that you've said in the past, and it, it might have even sparked a little bit, a tiny little bit of guilt in some people. It's not my objective today. I've said those same things as well. Uh, but I'm going to make it worse for just a minute, okay? I'm going to give you some stats here. Things that, the daily averages that, of things that people do in our country. Actually, this one's not even just our country. This is the whole world. 59% of the world's population uses something that we call social media for an average of two hours and 31 minutes a day. There's a lot of social media that's being used. So if you uh, sleep for eight hours of the day, that means 15% of your time may be taken up with something called social media. Uh, in America, for adults in the year 2022, the average, you, the average TV watching every single day for adults in America was three hours and one minute. So you, you combine those two things together, and for your waking hours, about 35% of your life is being spent possibly watching TV or being on your phone, doing stuff on your phone. That's a lot of time. That doesn't even put in our work time. The, the Washington Post had an article that said that the average American averages having about five hours of free time every day. Sounds to me like we're using it up in some ways that aren't always that productive. The average American woman spends about 14 minutes a day exercising. The average American man spends 24 minutes a day exercising. We don't talk to our friends enough. We don't connect and engage with our kids enough. We barely spend time with our spouses enough. And, and we feel like we just don't have time for stuff. Because at the end of the day, a lot of us, I don't know, I don't know if you've been there, but I have been there. At the end of the day, uh, thinking back to what, what transpired during my day, and it's like, what did I do with it? Where did I put my time? Did I put it into things that actually mattered, especially things that had eternal value? There's a Roman, uh, Roman philosopher named Seneca who expressed, I think, really well what we're talking about here. He said, people are frugal regarding their personal property, but as soon as it comes to squandering time, 
They are the most wasteful. They are most wasteful of the one thing in which it is right to be stingy. We, get, we, we are stingy with personal property, man. I, I, don't, I don't like giving things to people. But then our time, man, we just throw it. While I was sitting and writing this, this sermon, talking about making the most of every opportunity, I wasted time on my computer while I was writing the sermon. Like, that's how difficult this can be for us sometimes. And maybe we don't spend our time on better things, not because we don't want to, but because we don't always know how to. We don't not know how to stay engaged in things that, that matter a lot. But what if we've made the better ways of spending our time a little bit more difficult than what it actually is? We all want to be the best versions of ourselves. We all want to do things that matter in life. And yet, sometimes we see those things that, that matter and we, we make it out to be too difficult. Can we see some simple things that we can do with our time uh, that, that can help us at the end of the day go, man, something good came of this day. In Colossians chapter 4, I think Paul, he talks about two things that are really worth our time. The two things he talks about, they may not seem completely connected as we read through it, but I think as we talk, you're going to see that there's a real big connection. And the two things he talks about are prayer, and he talks about our, our conversations with people, particularly our conversations with people who don't know Jesus. Give our time to prayer and to conversations with people who don't know Jesus. And I think Paul's thinking, we will be spending our time well. But the problem is, is we have to make time for it. We have to make time for interacting with God and for interacting with other people. The question is, how do we do that? If we don't do this, honestly, I think that we are going to be worse off and, and the world is going to be worse off. Uh, if, we're, if we're not making priorities for this. And so this is what Paul says in Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for us, for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I am, I am definitely one of those people I would love to have three more hours in every day. Uh, I, I'm a night owl partly because I just I don't want to go to bed. And then I don't really want to wake up in the morning. It's, it kind of goes back and forth, right? Um, but if I had three more hours every day, like there's this part of me that likes to think, oh, I'd, I'd take more time to pray and to read stuff. And, and I wouldn't probably. Let's just be honest. I, I'd probably find more time to spend watching TV and scrolling through something stupid on my phone. Um, if I had those extra hours, what would I actually do with them? Here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I think that we all need downtime. Uh, we need emotional, uh, relational maybe even spiritual, physical downtime sometimes. I don't think we can be plugged in all the time. Sometimes the most useful time that we can spend is recharging, relaxing. That's important. But I think it's also true that maybe we check out too much sometimes. Because most of us are saying that we just don't have time for a lot of things that are actually really, really, really important. Now, I was at a, a winter retreat a couple weeks ago with, with our teenagers, and I was sitting next to one girl at lunch, and she was, she was scrolling through something on her phone. I noticed it was Snapchat. Disclaimer for you. I am not for Snapchat. 
all right? Um, let me just say this. And I, whenever social media stuff comes up or phones come up, I probably step on a soapbox. And this is because of, honestly, 20 years of youth ministry. And I've seen where kids have gone from 20 years ago to now. I'm telling you, social media is not healthy for them. You can read all of the, all of the studies that you want. They're going to say that kids are not ready for what we are giving them in their phones and on social media. It's plain. It is really simple. And so, please, as a parent, do not just give your kids free reign on that stuff. It, it, will, it will harm their, their ability to have relationships with people in ways that are healthy. And so, I'm thinking through all this stuff, and I'm watching her on, on Snapchat. doesn't make her a bad person because she was on Snapchat, but I said to her, you should just delete that thing. And when I said that, she's like, you know, I've been kind of thinking about that. And as soon as I heard that, I went into like full mode. I was, I was like a teenager in high school trying to give her as much peer pressure as I could. I was like, all the cool people delete that stuff. You should delete it right now. Just take it, delete it, delete it, delete it. Like I was, it was impressive how hardcore I was going at her. And so she, she pulls up the app and she's like got her finger going towards delete. I'm like, yes, delete it, delete it, delete it. And she, she pressed it. She got the X up. I'm like, just hit that X. Hit that. She hit it. And the moment she did, she goes, what did I do? And I started laughing and giggling. It was awesome. Oh, it made me feel so good. Um, no, she didn't feel good. She, she actually said, I don't know how I'm going to contact anybody now. I'm like, hey, you don't need to. Bottom line, we live in a culture where there's so much trying to steal our attention. If we aren't strategic and specific with what we give our time to, we're going to give it away to things that in the end they don't matter very much. So we were on the ride home, and here's what happened. We're driving home, and she's sitting next to me in the, in the van. And she actually, she's like, Kellen, I've opened up my phone like 30 times thinking I was going to go on Snapchat, and it's not there. And I had, I had deleted Facebook off my phone a while back just because I was sick of scrolling through it too much on my phone, and so I only look at it now on my computer. But as I was talking to her, I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to take Twitter off my phone because, again, too much wasted time. So while she's sitting next to me, I, I kept my eyes on the road, and I found out how to <laughs> delete Twitter, deleted it. And then I said, hey, in two weeks, let's come back and let's talk together, like how we're doing having less of this. Because I was like, you're going to have so much more time for, for, for better things. And I love what Paul's doing here in this, in this passage in Colossians. And honestly, it's really simple. Paul is urging us to give priority to prayer and to our relationships with others. It's something that we lack. It, there's so much that is, that is squeezing our attention in this country now, and in every country, let's face it, that this this thing for prayer and actually having conversations with people, it's struggling. So let's see how he starts off the passage. Verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Not going to lie, when I hear him say, Devote yourselves to prayer, I don't like it very much. Because to me, it sounds like something that, oh, I'm just going to feel like I have to do this. I'm going to drag my feet. I'm not going to want to. It feels like, like, like a, a diet. I don't want to go on a diet. I don't want to devote myself to eating right all the time. Sometimes the idea of devoting myself to prayer, it's hard. Um, but maybe that's because I've gotten this messed up image of what prayer is in my head. It's just a conversation with God, right? 
I love conversations with friends of mine. I don't, like, I don't like conversations with everybody, let's be honest. All right? But I like conversations with most people. What's so hard? Why can't I love a conversation with God? Well, for one, I can't see him. Having a conversation with people I don't see, that's not gotten me into good situations in the past. All right? It's intimidating to talk to somebody that you can't see. Frankly, it's intimidating to talk to just about anybody sometimes. I know before I was married, it was really hard to, to strike up a conversation with a pretty girl. I, I saw this girl, Crystal, in seventh grade. I didn't talk to her until ninth grade. I was in love with her. I loved her. She was so pretty. I was like, I don't know how I can go and talk to her. And then I started playing basketball, and she just came and talked to me. So, you know, that's how it was. It's not totally true. Um, but striking up a conversation can be intimidating. Then you think, okay, I'm supposed to go and strike up a conversation with the one who created that pretty girl. Like, that's intimidating. But it doesn't have to be. Now, I don't want to try to simplify prayer too much this morning. I think sometimes it's really easy to try to simplify it. Um, prayer, prayer is not meant to necessarily be simplified. It is a complicated mystery. Us talking to the, the creator of all the world, and then he answers prayers, and... There's complication to it. But I want you to hear what, what Paul says here. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And I think what he does is he kind of gives a threefold um, rhythm to what, what we can do in our prayer life. This looks a little different than when the disciples came to Jesus and, and they were like, hey, Jesus, what, how should we pray? And he says, uh, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will. I'm not going to say the whole thing. But he gave, he gave a real great formula for prayer Ideas of how we can pray and then and expand upon that kind of prayer. Paul gives uh, this cool rhythm to prayer that's a little bit different. And it's, it's kind of threefold. He says, pray for other people. We don't see that as much in verse 2, but we see it in verses 3 and 4. Pray for other people. He says, be watchful for what God is doing and how he's answering prayers. Part of our prayer life is to be watchful. And then when we're watchful and we see what God's doing, he says, be thankful for God's answers to prayer. Now, praying for other people is something that we call intercession in the Christian world. We intercess on behalf of other people. Uh, Paul, again, he doesn't really call for it in verse 2, but verses 3 and 4, he says this. Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And I think when Paul says that we need to devote ourselves to prayer, here's what he's getting at. It's not just Pray, 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 pray. He's actually putting in this idea, our prayers are not necessarily supposed to be me prayers. Our prayers are supposed to become kingdom prayers. That's the difference, I think, with a lot of us. I Me, mean, when I get into prayer, my habit a lot of my life has been, man, okay, what do, I, what do I need to pray about for my life and for the people that are really close to me? And Paul is kind of suggesting something different than me prayers. He's saying kingdom prayers. His main focus seems to be this. Pray for open doors to the, for the truth about Jesus to be revealed. Pray for open doors so Jesus can be revealed. It's amazing how often my prayers have this small window into my backyard. God, here's what I need. Here's what my family needs. Do this. I'm not saying it's wrong to, for us to pray that. I think we should be praying. Like I said earlier, every small thing we can pray about. But Paul is, Paul's request for, to the Colossian church for their prayers 
it's about, it's about a bigger vision. It's about a bigger worldview. How often are our prayers focused on a kingdom that is bigger and deeper than my own kingdom? That's really what, where his focus is here. You've got to remember, Paul is in prison at this point. He wrote a lot of his letters from prison. I'm telling you, if I was in prison, I would not be praying the way that Paul was praying. I'd be like, yo, guys, pray that I would get out of this prison. And if, and if I don't, come and break me out. I want to get out of this place. But, but that's not his prayer. His prayer is, don't worry that I'm in prison. Pray that I can have the words, that I can re- reveal the mystery of Christ to the people around me, even in prison. One commentator puts it like this. This guy named McLeod, um, he's, he talks about how Paul's aunt, prayers may have actually been answered in ways that he never would have imagined. He says, the letters he wrote from prison are sacred scripture and have kindled countless flames of Christian devotion from that day to this. It is awesome. He's penning this letter saying, pray for me that, that I can reveal the mysteries of Christ. And it's that very letter that he's writing that became scripture, that is revealing the mystery of Christ to us today. That is cool that God is answering this prayer in a way that he never would have probably thought. And this prayer that he's praying, it's a prayer that, man, from the bottom of my heart, this is the kind of prayer that I feel like that I can pray without, without even thinking twice about it. I talk about this a lot when I talk about the idea of prayer. Over the course of 20 years of youth ministry, there are so many kids that are, that are on my heart. I shouldn't call them kids. I was just saying last night, I've literally got kids that I youth pastored who are 38 and 39 years old now. It's crazy. So they're not kids anymore, but I got kids, adults, that I have been a youth pastor to, and, and they're on my heart so much that I pray often for them. That really what Paul's saying here. God, reveal the mystery of your gospel, the good news of Jesus to these kids who, who maybe they heard it, but they didn't quite get it. Get them to bring somebody into their life who will show them who Jesus is. That is a prayer that I feel confident praying all the time. Can I be really honest with you? I don't always feel completely confident in praying for physical healing. Why? Not because I don't believe that God can do it. I 100% believe God can bring physical healing. It's because in the back of my mind, I know that we all, until, unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to get sick and die. We're gonna, there's death in, in all of us. That's what awaits us. And so I struggle with, what is God's will when it comes to physical healing? So it's harder for me to pray for that. But I'm telling you what, every time it comes to me praying for somebody to get to know who Jesus is, that is one that I can pray for easy every time. Because I know that God will move mountains to get people to know who, who Jesus is. There is no question in my mind. And so if you're struggling with your prayer life, what, what in the world do I pray for? The thing that you can always believe that God is going to do whatever he can to move mountains, to make sure that it happens, is God, this person needs to know who you are. Make it happen. And I pray for these young people so much, knowing that, you know, it, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be for 20 years, but I believe that God is going to bring these people to know Jesus Christ. Because I, I know he wants to answer that prayer. And so in verse 4, Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. The good news to Paul is incredibly precious. It's not something that we should be taking for granted. And it's definitely not something that we're supposed to keep to ourselves. There's a professor who said it like this. Before you talk to a person about God, talk to God about that person. Take time to pray for a person before you you open your mouth to try to, to tell them about Jesus. And ask God to help 
reveal those things about his son Jesus to those people at the right time, at the right place, to the right person. Uh, the NIV sometimes, I don't think it, it, it put this, this verse in quite as full force as Paul meant it to be, um, where it says, he says, pray that I might proclaim it clearly. He actually, he was saying, pray that I might reveal it. Pray that I might make this manifest in people's lives. Um, there is something in him. He says, pray that I might do this as I should. When he says, as I should, he's essentially saying, I am bound to this. I am 100% bound to, to doing what I can to reveal the mystery of Jesus to people. And there's a guy named David Garland. I love how he puts it. He says, Paul is bound more by his commission to preach the gospel than by his chains. I wish that was how my life felt more of the time. That I, that I felt like I was more bound to let people know about Jesus than bound by chains to the things in my life that, that give me more of my, my attention. Um, that, I, that I was bound to, to speak to people about Jesus rather than bound to, to looking at my phone while they're in my presence. I wish that, that I, I had this same kind of energy that Paul has. Paul's commission to reveal the gospel, it's this thing that drives him to ask for prayer. He's asking for the Colossian church to be in prayer for him, to be praying this intercessory kind of prayer. Again, he could have he asked them to pray for that, that they would be, he'd be set free from prison. But that's not the thing that would matter most in the kingdom of God. He's asking them to pray for the thing that matters more. And then he goes on after, after that first part in verse 2 where he's saying, pray for me. He says, be watchful and be thankful. And I love this idea that Paul has here about being watchful. Uh, Paul's implying that, that we need to open our eyes to the things that God is doing in the world, that the rest of the world that may not be tuned into God, they, they don't see it. They're blind to it. We need to become watchful. And it's, this isn't probably him saying we need to be watchful uh, uh, that of all the signs that Jesus is coming back. There's something in our Christian culture sometimes where, where we're so, man, look at that happen. Jesus must be coming back. I don't think Paul wants us to be looking at all those kinds of signs. He wants us to be looking at the signs of what is God doing in somebody else's life where now I can step in and I can help them see who Jesus is. we got to be a lot more mindful of those signs. We should care more about watching for signs that God is moving in someone's heart and then asking God to help us be an asset in that process. Instead of all the things of, oh man, I think God's, I think Jesus is coming back. I'm looking for all this. Don't worry about that. Look at what's going on in people's lives and how God is asking you to reveal the mysteries of Christ to people. I think we all, we all should be taking, taking time to be praying things that are personal in our lives. Again, maybe the third time I've said it today, God cares about the small stuff. We should be praying about everything, praying for the small stuff. But are your prayers more about your kingdom or are they about God's kingdom? I think Paul's setting a really great example for us about how to pray. Um, there, there is no failure in prayer whatsoever. The only way we fail is to not try it, to not open up our mouths and, and ask God for, for things. Kingdom prayers help to take your mind off of yourself and to put your mind and heart on what God wants for the world around you. Are you praying kingdom prayers? And obviously, I think Paul, we see it from this, th these verses. Paul is wanting people to get to know who Jesus is. That, 
more than anything, that is what Paul was about. Um, and so it takes over his prayer life. It, he's asking the Colossian church for it to take over their prayer life. I think he's asking us to let, let the desire for people to know Jesus take over our prayer lives. But it actually goes beyond prayer for him. We can pray, but we've also got to get out in the world and do what we can actually do to help people know who Jesus is. And so this is what he gets at in the last two verses of the, of the passage. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I love I love that line. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. One thing that I talk about a lot with teenagers is I wish that I had high school to do over again. Not because I want to go back and do high school. High school kind of stunk in a lot of ways. It's like the most insecure time of your life. I had acne all over. Like, it's just not a great time of your life all the time. But I will say this, what I wish I could do over again was make the most of that incredible mission opportunity that I had, that I had in high school. Young people who, who still had so much of life in front of them, who could have been told about who Jesus was, and there was a, there was a chance that I could have changed somebody's life forever. You know, I have one friend that I think of that um, one of the coolest things that, that ever happened for me in college, he wrote me an email and said, Kellen, thanks for, thanks for bringing me to, to, to youth group. Um, our, because of our relationship, I know that, that that's part of the reason why I'm choosing Jesus now. I'm telling you, I, that, that is one of the coolest and got to spend time with him up in Minocqua this weekend, actually. Um, but I so wish that I could have done more of that, making the most of the opportunity that I had in high school to be a witness to my friends, to my young friends. And some of you, I'm jealous of some of you, some of you go to work and all day long you're around people who need Jesus. I live in the church world and a lot of the people I rub elbows with, they already know Jesus. Are you making the most of the opportunities that you have in those, in those situations? Are you seeing that as a beautiful moment to be around people who need Jesus? I love how N.T. Wright talks about making the most of every opportunity. He says, the verb make literally means buying up or buying out. It means simply that every opportunity is snapped up like a bargain. Do you see the opportunities that Jesus gives to you to share him with other people as, man, this is something I've got to, I got to just take this and run with it. This is a bargain that I get the opportunity to do this. I love Paul's attitude in this passage. Unfortunately, a lot of times, our Christian world, it becomes, it becomes a little bubble. Um, we're not remaining watchful for those moments that, that God places these kingdom moments in our lap. When there's somebody in our circle who is ripe for hearing about Jesus. And frankly, sometimes we mess up the opportunities in other ways. We mess up the opportunities sometimes because the way that we've lived our life, when the opportunity comes up, people aren't able to hear it from us because we haven't lived a life that looks enough like Jesus. We do this with our, with our coworkers when we get too upset in, in ridiculous ways and then they're not able to hear what we have to say. We do this with our kids when, when we don't have integrity in moments that matter. When the, the, you're at the grocery store and the checkout clerk gives you too much cash and you don't go back and give them the change back. What does that say to your kid? And so when, when it's time to share Jesus with them in another way, and they're, they're remembering what happened just the other day, what, what does that speak to them? 
And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Prayer is important. But being spiritual people who go to church and who pray, but don't live out a life where people see the grace of Jesus in, in us, it, it, it just doesn't work. Another thing that N.T. Wright says is this, blameless life lays the foundation for gra gracious witness. Blameless life lay, lays the foundation for gracious witness. Now here's the thing, we can't be blameless without Jesus. We're going we're gonna to mess up sometimes. That, that is the name of the ballgame for us. But you see here in verses 2 and 4, Paul is talking about prayer. Verses 5 and 6, he goes and he starts talking about the way that we talk with the people around us. And it might seem like that's just a complete right, a right turn. Like he's talking about prayer, and now he's talking about how we talk to people. But I think, that, I think that they go together. Prayer is not more important than what happens when you are actually with other human beings. How we talk with God is equally important to how we talk with people. We can't just talk with God and pray all the right things and then go out in our lives and live it in a way that is completely opposite of, of what we were doing in that prayer time. If we want people to come to know who Jesus is, it takes prayer. It takes asking God to open up doors and to make the most of opportunities, but then for us to step in and do our part in those opportunities. That, that has to do with, with our integrity, with how we live our lives. So how does this look like for you in your life? Are you making the most of every opportunity to build God's kingdom in your everyday life? How are you spending your time? Do you take any time to pray? There are, there are a lot of Christians who don't take time to pray. And we say things like, I don't have time for it. I've wasted more time this morning than I can even tell you already. We have time for it. The question is, how important is the kingdom of God being grown to us? Are we going to pray God's kingdom? Or are we going to pray my kingdom? What are your conversations looking like with other people? When people are in the room with you, are you more concerned about what's on your phone than about the person that's in front of you who maybe needs to know who Jesus is today? We have one job that matters, I think, more than any other job. That is to reveal the good news about Jesus to the people around us. Are you making the most of every opportunity to do that? Or are we squandering precious minutes, precious days, precious months of our lives, years of our lives on things that just don't matter as much in comparison? I don't, I don't talk about that to, to make us feel guilty. I talk about it because it's real. It's real in my life every single day. I waste time. I waste time that could be spent loving people towards the kingdom of God. I can't make that decision for them, but there's something I can do. How are you doing that today? And so that's what I want to pray about as we, as we close up here. Asking God to let his kingdom be grown through us. That it would be, that we would see the most important thing in our lives not being my kingdom, but being his kingdom. That our prayer lives would start to be taken over by desires for God to do awesome things in the people around us who don't know Jesus. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. 
Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.